This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. Hope you're having a blessed Sunday morning. If you missed any portion of the show, you can always go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine. You can go to Podcast One, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. My next guest was elected as Cincinnati's 70th mayor on November 21st, 2021. It's our pleasure to welcome Aftaf Pureval to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning. How are you, Mayor? I'm great, Rodney. Thanks so much for having me. You know, it's so funny. When you were coming in, I heard girls in the office, they were very oh, excited. Oh, no. <laughs> they was like, I really like him. And it was just so funny. I was sitting at my cube just listening at it all. It, <laughs> it, it was it, quite entertaining. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, look, we, we have been working hard to be out and about in the community, to be an accessible mayor. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that that is paying off and people are excited to see me. Okay, so later on when we finish up here, we definitely have to swing by their cube. So they can, <laughs> so they can have their heart drop, Mayor. Oh, yeah, right, right, <laughs> there right. you go. All right. So you grew up here in Ohio, the son of first generation Americans. What was that like for you? It, it was a, a really idyllic childhood. Um, but the the very fact that I'm sitting here is 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 pretty extraordinary. My I'm the son of a refugee. My mom was born in Tibet, and she was oh. forced to flee um, when the communists took over. So. My mom and my grandparents picked up, made their way through the Himalayas, through Nepal and into India, where she grew up as a refugee. She, against all odds, she got an education. She met my father, who's from Punjab, India, uh, in college, and they got married and they decided to come to the United States. And Rodney, of all places, they chose Beaver Creek, Ohio, right? <laughs> so they immigrated in 1980. I was born a couple years later. And um, and I, I had a, a really wonderful childhood, Went to went to public schools. You know, because my mom was a refugee, because my dad, um, uh, both parents were immigrants, um, they were so focused on providing a life for myself and my brother that politics and, you know, and, and that whole world wasn't really on my radar. Um, it was uh, it was high school basketball and soccer and and, you know, worrying about where I was going to go to college. And, and ultimately, I landed at Ohio State. Okay, so you went to UC Law School. So you, how did you make this progression? You talked about you, it's a miracle that you're here, but how did you go from law school to politics? How did that happen? I I, I always had a a sense that um, public service and politics was my passion. Um, like I said, growing up, my parents really wanted me to be a doctor, you know, classic <laughs> Asian parents, uh, or wanted me to be an engineer. I was bad at math and I hate blood. So those were okay, those yeah, two things were out. Right? Yeah, right. Um, but because my mom was a refugee, it was instilled in me that what's going on in the government is important. Uh, and And my father just worked all the time. And so quality time with him was often sitting down and watching the nightly news with Peter Jennings on ABC with my father. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't really know what was going on, but I wanted to be with him and he was watching the news. And so it just by osmosis, those two factors, unbeknownst to my parents, really got me interested in politics. But to be honest, Rodney, while it was an interest of mine in college and a passion of mine in college, I never really thought that a brown dude named Aftab could run and win at any level of politics. And it was really President Obama who inspired me to believe that no matter what your name is or what you look like, if you work hard and have a passion for lifting up your community, you too can serve. And so 
you know, I was at Procter & Gamble as a, a beauty attorney. I was the global brand attorney for Olay and decided that in 2016 I would I would jump in and and try to achieve uh, success in politics. And, and I, you know, to shocking a lot of people, ultimately was successful in that clerk of courts race. OK, so let's talk about that now, that first election, that first campaign, that Aflac duck. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> whose idea was that? It was brilliant. But whose idea? Rodney, was that? Fr- from the from the beginning of that commercial, and that commercial has been on the t- on TV for a very long time. Uh-huh. Um from the very beginning, people have called me Aflac. I mean, they have quacked at me, <laughs> oh, not no, always lovingly. No, no. Uh, and so it was my idea. And I thought, well, I'll take this you know, perceived weakness and make it a strength. Because when I would tell people in 2015, 2016 that I wanted to leave P&G to run for office, they said, that's impossible. There's no way um, that a guy with your name can win. You've got to change your name to Adam or to Al to be really? more accessible to the mm-hmm. electorate. And and look, you know, in hindsight, people might say, oh, that's so disappointing, uh, blah, blah, blah. But they weren't wrong. When you see AFTAB in 2015 on a yard sign, it doesn't occur to you that that's a human being, right? Maybe it's an insurance company. Maybe it's an acronym, an advertisement for something. Uh, but instead of running away from my name, I, I tried to make it my strength. So as you mentioned in 2016, every time I said my name in our TV commercial, a big yellow duck puppet popped up next to me and repeated it in the Aflac voice. So, you know, not dignified, uh, uh, Rodney, but incredibly memorable and ultimately effective. OK, so let's talk about that. Um, when the pressure was on you, I would imagine to change your name or to do something different. What was it within you that made you stay firm and to stay? To stick with your name, I when I when I look at the folks who are the most successful in public service and in politics and on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat, it's it's always the folks who are authentic and genuine to themselves. And you know, just starting out in politics in 2015 and 2016, it struck me as wrong to run away from who I was. Um, now, you know, it's it's it it takes nuance and it takes creativity. I am not interested in being in politics to fake who I am. What I love about being mayor is uh, I'm very intentional about joy and leaning into my authentic self. And, and that has been successful so far. Um, you know, I think, I think though, that um, politicians oftentimes take themselves too seriously. And the, the AFLAC campaign was, was also reflective of my genuine personality, which is, you know, self-deprecating. I like to laugh, particularly at myself, um, and I like to have a good time. And, and not only was I proud that it was a celebration of my name, but it, I was proud that it was authentic to my personality as well. All right. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. For more information on the show, more information on our guests, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Like, follow, and share there. Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. This morning, we're talking to Cincinnati's 70th Mayor, Aftaf Pureval. Now, let's talk about this now, breaking racial barriers here when you were elected as mayor. What does that feel like, and what does that say about the city of Cincinnati? Yeah. You know, in one generation, my family went from being refugees to now the 70th mayor of Cincinnati, the first Asian-American mayor of Cincinnati, the first Asian-American mayor in the Midwest. And I'm so proud that Cincinnati did that. Chicago didn't do that. Uh, Indianapolis didn't do that. Cincinnati did that. And and what makes it even more notable is that the Asian population in Cincinnati is only two to three percent. 
So it's not as if there's a groundswell of Asian voters pushing me into office. Um, and so that, 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 that speaks volumes about who we are as a city. It tells me that no matter what you look like, where you're from, or how much money you have, if you come here, you can achieve your dreams because that's what happened for me. Look, I, I, think, I think oftentimes people are critical of Cincinnati uh, because their perception is that it's hard to break in here if you're not from here. Well, I, you know, I grew up an hour away from here. I did go to the University of Cincinnati. I, I have lived here for, for a while, but, but I think I'm emblematic of a new Cincinnati, uh, a Cincinnati where uh, we are a destination, not just in the country, but really in the world. Okay. So doing the campaign and being on the campaign trail and what do you learn about yourself during the whole election campaign and what do you learn about the city during that whole time? You know, I, I think what people don't realize is the physical toll it takes to run for office, okay. particularly in a city like Cincinnati where there's 52 neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. When you're running in a local office, the resources or the money in a, that gets dumped into a local race is really is, is really small. So that means that the interaction that you have with everyday folks out in the community is an opportunity to win or lose a vote. This person in front of you right now in this moment, you'll probably never see again. Uh, and they, they probably won't get your mail or your, your digital ads or your TV ads because you, you just don't have as much resources in a local race. So that means every single time you interact with a voter, you have to be on, right? You have to be charming. You have to be energetic. You have to win their vote. And that takes an exceptional physical toll on you. And so what I learned about myself is that I've surprised myself of, of how much stamina I have and how much um, uh, physicality it takes to run for office. You know, what I learned about the city is despite the challenges that we have, we are just an extraordinarily optimistic and hopeful city. When you go to neighborhoods that are that have violent crime, um, that are impoverished, um, what strikes me is that despite the challenges – Cincinnatians believe that things can get better and that that hope, that optimism is critical as we continue to grow and achieve those racial equity goals that we've set for ourselves. Okay, so when you're elected mayor, you sit down in the chair and you're you put on the mayor hat. (laughs) There's a hat. Yeah, there's a hat. hat. It has to be a hat. Right. (laughs) And so you sit down. What are your immediate priorities when you sit down and you are newly elected as the mayor? What's your immediate priorities? Yeah, I've I've been very clear from the beginning of the campaign and the beginning of of my first eight months in office, what our strategic priorities are. Number one, we've we've got to grow as a city. We have to continue to grow our population, grow our skyline, grow our tax base in order to have the resources necessary to do all the big things that we want to do. But when we grow, we have to be uh, we have to grow equitably. We cannot grow and displace at the same time. If if 50 percent of our city is not gaining access to the resources and to the wealth that we're generating, then we're going to fall further and further behind. So racial equity has to be a strategic priority for our economy. The second is safety. Um, uh, unless we're safe, we're, we, we can't be a destination and we can't grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not just talking about uh, violent crime, which, of course, is, is a priority and, and continues to get uh, our focus and our resources. But also, I just came from a meeting uh, last night in Northside. Uh, pedestrian safety continues to be a challenge. People getting hit by cars uh, in crosswalks, cars uh, going too fast, running red lights. 
Uh, and so safety is really holistic uh, in our community. Uh, the third is climate. Um, we are already a leader on climate as the owning the largest city-led solar farm in the country. 25% of our energy as a city is being uh, generated from this solar farm. We have bold goals of by 2050 being completely carbon neutral, and we're on pace to hit those goals. And, and finally, uh, affordable housing. You know, as our city grows, our housing stock has not kept up with that growth. And frankly, our wages have stayed flat. Supply chain issues and inflation is only making that more challenging. Uh, and so I'm so proud of the fact that just eight months in office, we've put significant resources, millions and millions of dollars towards the Affordable Housing Trust Fund. And we're looking for ways to reform our light tech process to bring more affordable housing units onto the market more quickly. All right. And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Cincinnati Mayor Aftap Furival. For more information on the show, you can like, follow, and share Sunday Morning Magazine, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm Rodney Lear, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Now, let's talk about some of the major issues. You touched on some of them, but let's talk more about them. Um, I want to start with um, corruption on a city council. We've seen a number of indictments and charges. Where do you stand on that? And let's talk about that issue, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's an embarrassment and it's awful. Um, the indictments that we've seen uh, from the past uh, was, I think, the precipitating event to bring in a completely new city hall. Uh, we have a new mayor. Uh, we have a new administration, a completely new council. And, uh, and not just that, but we've instituted specific reforms in order to make sure that that never happens again. First and foremost, um, we now have a list uh, that gets updated weekly of folks who have business in front of the city where the elected officials are prohibited from raising money from them uh, to avoid any uh, impression of impropriety. We have instituted a code of conduct for our elected officials for the first time ever. We have mandatory ethics training uh, in order to drive home the importance of that code of conduct. And we've just completely changed the culture in City Hall. And, and you don't have to take my word for it. You can just look look at the fact that we have transitioned a new health commissioner, a new city manager, a new police chief, a new fire chief without a single headline. No drama. Uh, we're focused on the work. We're not focused on, you know, petty fights and and the uh, the distractions of the past. OK, you touched on the police chief. I know the I believe at, at the moment she's interim. Or, That's right. All right. So what how's the search going there and what can you tell us the, about the, that? The search is going great. We have two national searches uh, in place. The the city manager runs. And this is for chief of police. OK, right. So we, we have uh, two two uh, national searches, one for the city manager. The current city manager is interim and one for the police chief. I run the city manager national search, and the city manager runs the national search for the police chief. So naturally, uh, we're going to finish the city manager national search first, and we expect that to finish the end of this month or the very beginning of September. Once that's finished, um, the city manager will then finalize the search uh, for the police chief. That process has already started, but I think it makes a lot of sense for the permanent city manager to finalize the search and make their pick for police chief. You know, what, what we're looking for from both the city manager and police chief is someone who respects and understands our collaborative agreement, really the national model for modern policing in our community, someone who prioritizes public safety and is a law enforcement professional, uh, and someone who um, is data-driven and believes in problem-solving-oriented policing. 
there are a number of high-profile candidates um, that we have our eye on. But, um, but uh, getting back to your corruption question, it's very important for the mayor and the city manager to understand their roles and stay in their roles, whether it's, whether it's with development deals where elected officials should not be interfering there. That should be left to the administration or when it relates to choosing the police chief. I can give opinions and provide feedback to the city manager, but it is ultimately the city manager's decision based on our charter. All right, good. Um, Crime. Let's talk about crime and gun violence. Let's just put them together. Um, What are you doing? What are we working on? And what do we know? We know that gun crime and violent crime is a challenge here in Cincinnati and across the country. The data, the stats suggest that violent crime has stayed flat over the last couple of years during the pandemic. But of course, it increased from pre-pandemic to pandemic. So it's a challenge. It's not unique to Cincinnati. And specific to gun violence, we know that the two factors contributing to the violence the most uh, is, number one, the universal accessibility of guns in our community. There are more guns than people in the United States. And number two, our inability to resolve differences peacefully. What result? What uh, used to result in a fistfight now results in a gunfight. Right. And the challenge is that uh, because people don't feel safe unless they have a gun, more guns beget more guns. I'm very proud of the fact that President Biden uh, signed the most uh, important gun legislation in the last 30 years. Most recently, I was at the White House um, celebrating that event. But I've been disappointed in our state leaders who have made the the problem worse of universal access of guns. Uh, Our leaders have signed into law a stand your ground law. Uh, They have gotten rid of the concealed carry licensing process. So now people can carry concealed weapons without training. And finally, uh, in response to Uvalde, instead of taking guns out of schools, uh, they put more guns in schools by arming teachers. Uh, I think those are not the solutions that we need to resolve the gun violence in our community. All right. There you go. Let's talk about something a little bit more lighter. Okay. All right. Good. So you have a very young family. Your wife is a doctor. What is it like balancing the duties of a mayor and having a young family. It's very hard. I've been there. I've had a young family. I hadn't been mayor, but I had a young family before. So it's very, very hard. You know, the first thing was uh, paternity leave. Uh, What paternity leave was I going to take? My uh, my wife is a doctor with TriHealth. You know, thankfully, she had a very generous leave. Um, The city's leave is six weeks. But I don't. It wasn't necessarily possible for the city to not have a mayor for a month and a half. Right. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that I was there for my family, and particularly for my my wife, um, and and also for our infant son. And so I took two weeks as a uh, an attempt to balance. That was not enough. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, after I went to work for the following uh, really month, it was the hardest part of our marriage um, and the hardest part of being a a dad, trying to be there for my city, but also be there for my family. You know, look, I I, I struggle every day with this because um, I'm currently doing the the most important thing that I will ever do, being a dad for very young boys and being the mayor of Cincinnati. And so how do you um, how do I balance the two most important things that I will ever do in my life? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a real it's really a daily struggle, and sometimes I'm successful, and and other times I'm not. But um, but I've I've got a 
an incredible wife. And, and, you know, frankly, we have a very modern family. I mean, my wife is the breadwinner in our family, right? So if anyone should be scaling back, it's me. Um, and, uh, and, and she's an incredible partner and we, we just make it work. We have, we have a lot of childcare, a lot of family that helps us out, um, so that she can achieve her professional dreams so that I can achieve mine, uh, and that we can have, um, you know, supported and loved boys as well. All right. And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Mayor Aftaf Purival. Now, you talked about your, your wife and, and her. She's a doctor. And so during the pandemic, what was that like for you guys um, during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic for you and your family? Yeah, it was, it was also really hard. So if we can rewind. So I have two sons now. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning of the pandemic, my wife had just returned from maternity leave for our first son. Okay. And he was very, very young. And at the very beginning of the pandemic, we didn't know anything about COVID, right? We didn't know how it was transmitted. We didn't know how dangerous and infectious it was. My wife is a hospitalist, so she's a she's a primary care physician in the hospital. So all admitted patients, she's your primary care doctor. So for the last two years, she's been primarily caring for, for COVID patients. And so when she would get home from shifts, she would go directly to the laundry room take off her scrubs, put them in the wash, then go up, take a shower, and then come and see me and our infant son. Uh, so it was just a very stressful and and challenging time. You know, back to the balancing issue, I was working at the time as clerk of courts, and and it was hard to find childcare because people were afraid of exposing themselves if they were near uh, healthcare professionals. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it was a, it was a difficult time finding someone who would help us babysit or finding someone who would help us nanny because people were sheltering in place and they didn't necessarily want to be exposed. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a really tough time for her in particular, but also for our family. Wow. Look at that. Um, so what's the most difficult part about being mayor? Does you talk, we talked about a lot of stuff. What's the most <laughs> difficult part about doing what you do? I think the most difficult part is that there's no I- easy issues that come to my desk. Okay. Um, if it were easy, it would have been handled somewhere else. And there's nothing that's not my responsibility, uh, mm-hmm. even if it's actually not my responsibility, <laughs> right? Uh, and so that that is that – is, You have to solve everything, that right? Is, yeah, that is, that is both challenging but also an incredible opportunity. You know, I, I love the fact that it's the mayor – Unlike, you know, Congress or some of these other D.C. politicians, there's no there's no running and hiding. There's no spinning. There's no obfuscating. You have to stand in the void and you have to lead. You have to take hard positions on hard issues and you have to be effective. Right. There's there's no one else responsible but you. Um, And so that is both very challenging, but also um, empowering and an awesome opportunity to actually move the needle in Cincinnati. Okay. And so what's the most rewarding thing about being mayor? Well, that is also the most rewarding thing, to be the moral voice of the city. Okay. But but I'll, I'll, I'll also answer it in, in another way. I didn't realize this when I first got elected, but I get to marry people. Oh, so wow. I, 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 really like, <laughs> I, I really like officiating weddings. And, and people okay. will email and say, hey, um, you know, people I don't know, right, will mm-hmm. say, hey, I'd love, love for you to marry us. Sometimes I'll go to their venue. Sometimes they'll come to City Hall. Uh, it's so funny. They're like, oh, we'd love to give you a gift or we'd love to pay you. And I, I say, no, 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 this is part of the deal. This is part of me being mayor. So please, 
Please don't. Um, so do Rodney, you have a premium package? You have, you know, no, no, like, no. It's like all when you premium. go to the chapel in, in Vegas, you get get the Elvis package. What, what do you have there, They get Mayor? the full show, Rodney, okay. every time. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to write the script if they want. Sometimes they've scripted it for me. Rodney, I love love. I'm a big, I'm a big love guy. Okay. Uh, and being able to be part of someone's most special day in their life is, is just really fun and, and, and really touching. Okay. Now you talked about something that was, I thought really stuck with me. You talked about these are the most important times in your life with being mayor and having a small family. But what do you want your legacy to be when you walk away from the the mayor's office and you take that hat that I talked about earlier that you don't really know exists, but I know it's there somewhere when you take that hat off (laughs) um, for the final time, what do you want your legacy to be? I mean, fundamentally, I want I want Cincinnati to be better off um, in after my term than than when I was handed it, and and for me specifically, that means improving the lives of of black people, um, prioritizing racial equity, uh, making sure that you know fifty percent of our community uh, has access to the wealth that we're creating, has access to uh, good education improving um, health outcomes and uh, and trying to meet that goal of a truly equitable city um, that that's that's my that, that that lens of equity is how I view all issues and uh, hopefully after my four or eight years I'll, I'll have uh, I'll have accomplished um, I'll have accomplished that goal all right all right well we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for taking time and spending so much time with me in the studio. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rodney. We've been speaking to Cincinnati Mayor Aftaf Puroval. Well, that's it for this edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, again, you can reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. Or you can like, follow, and share at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Well, that's it for this edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. Until next week. Be encouraged. Listen to Sunday Morning Magazine no matter what day it is. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear today. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.